Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to talk about world-class leaderboard golf. Mm. Uh, but before we do, uh, we normally have feedback in this and in the beginning of the show. This week we got so much feedback um, we're going to save it for the end because it's just massive. The arcade port show last week, you hit it out of the park with that pick. I've been pushing that one, boat. <laughs> People loved it. And so Great. We'll, we'll get to the feedback after that. So, But let's just jump right to the news because I know you've got a lot of news that's been going on in the world of Amiga. It's been an interesting week. Uh, just to go into a few things that I picked up, and all this stuff's available in the Google Plus channel. We'll probably float some of it over to Facebook. Um the uh, uh, first of all, I want to mention uh, something that Dreamcatcher did, and we talked about this, and it's up on the on our uh, on our uh, web page. Uh, his uh, behind the scenes, what happened to the game Boo? This is a tremendous article. I mean, it's a must read. His stuff's always great. This one's particularly good. So I, I guess we're leading off the news that our guy made news. I mean, it's newsworthy. It was that good. It's a combination news and side update. Well, and, yeah, it's worse we're bragging because it's great. I mean, he got he talked to the guys. He talked to one of the guys that was behind making the game, and you really get an in depth look at what happens when your when your company just goes south and then you, and you lose support. There's no money there, and the work you've done goes in the can. I mean. They had the majority of the game done. It was mm-hmm. practically ready to go, and then it's never seen the light of day. It's a sad but interesting tale, and uh, goes into depth. I, I mean, it, I, who knew? I I was surprised that it was even on the cover of a magazine. That shows you how far along it was. I mean, they'd already started releasing stuff to the media to get the hype train yeah. going. So, I thought that was a real interesting article. So, uh, uh, hop over to our website, have a look at that. Uh, great, great article. Um, he also did, while we're doing site updates, I guess, uh, Dreamcatcher did an awesome, <laughs> a crazy in-depth look at Rodlin, which I was telling Boat earlier on the pre-show, me and my kids just have been playing the hell out of Rodlin. Uh, so, who, all the people that told us to play that, good job. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> just like you always are. Thank you. Because my kid loves it. I mean, he loves it. He played the, we played the crap out of it tonight. It's a great game, and uh, Dreamcatcher really goes deep, deep into it, uh, it and it's a good read. Um, I noticed that this week, uh, the, uh, front, I guess you call it went, uh, the Amiga front end or uh, uh, operating environment, the Amy kit, uh, has came over to Android. Now, I don't, I think this is its premiere on Android. I don't I think you're right. I don't think, I don't think this is a re- update. I think this is its first uh, appearance. <clears throat> I haven't tried it, uh, but, um, I've heard good things. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that earlier today, and I've got a uh, an Android tablet that I'm not currently using for anything. <clears throat> a huge 10-inch Android tablet. That would be a good candidate to try that out. I agree. I agree. And so that's something we should have give a, give a shot. But uh, uh, Amy Kit's a pretty good, solid piece of a kit. I mean, I know you use it pretty much full-time, right? Well, no, I use, I use something different. I use... <clears throat> um, 
It's not Amy Kit. It's, oh, what it's, you... it's, it's another one. I'm trying to think. Of I what... put Amy Kit on your machine. Why yeah. don't you just stop using it? I just deleted it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that shut my mouth, didn't you? Well, it was, it was just because I, I couldn't get it to do what I wanted it to, but then the guy at the Cake is a Lie Gaming, yeah. he was using some sort of another package deal. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's similar. Well, I use Amy Kit when, I use, when I'm not using the proper Amiga, mm -hmm. and I, I like it. I think it does a good job. Um, I don't know how long this is going to happen. I was. And, it's funny how things work out. I was I was somewhere and I was like, you know, boy, I wish it, I wish the company was still around <laughs> so I could get something to play in this PC. <clears throat> and so I, just for, for the heck of it, I went over to the company site and sure enough, the things back up. Wow. And I was like, well, this company site's back up. Well, surely these games aren't back where you can play them. They'll download the hell out of them. Uh, in fact, download the Dizzy pack. Yeah, I'm going to download everything on that site right now because I can't yeah. I can't bear to think of it. Well, going I don't away know again. how long it's going to be around. It's at the same address, you know, nothing's changed, we'll link it up, it's linked up in Google+. Plus. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be around, but, you know, it, it maybe it's get them while you can time. Mm -hmm. It could be. Hey, if you're with the company, we've said this before, we'd love to have one of you guys on the on, on the show, and even if you don't speak English, I'm sure we can find someone to help us translate, we've got a lot of friends, and I would love to uh, talk to those guys just about their process and mm -hmm. what they're doing, and if any reason, just say thank you. So, thank you, any way it goes, and, uh, but they're back up for now. Um... I noticed, and I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I've never heard of this magazine, but it, it's probably been around. I think it's been around out of circulation for a couple years, but the, uh, it's coming back. Uh, Blitter Wolf magazine, and uh, to get everyone fired up for its return, they have put up. They're starting to put up some of their last four or five issues that you can look through, and I looked through uh, some of the pages they had up, and it was pretty good, I'd say. So Blitter Wolf, if you're, uh, you know, hey. Is this so? This is an English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's out of the UK. Okay. Uh, and uh, if anybody out from uh, Blitter Wolf listening, or you guys know anybody, hey, uh, you know, drop me a line. I like to talk to you about w -O -L -F? it. W O L F. Not like Saber Wolf. No, no. There's no. It's not German. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, it looks good. It looks like good stuff. And uh, uh, I think that's pretty much about it. I've got some links that are pertaining to the game today, but pretty much. Oh, one thing I did do this week while I'm thinking about it. And uh, just to just to try to relieve myself of my normal amount of ignorance on a subject, <laughs> I sat down and and, and watched uh, some videos and read a lot about the uh, uh, the vampire card, how it works. And again, people are like, oh, I'm sure people every time I say vampire, probably a hefty some of the listeners beat their head against it's the a radio. drinking game now. Yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> but uh, just I want to kind of put a cap on this. It's it's an interesting. When I, once I looked, I listened to the. Uh, in fact, I linked this video up a couple uh, about a week and a half ago, and it was it was uh, the uh, one of the fellows from that are making Vampire Card giving a, a speech in front of a users group somewhere, and uh, he uh, he talked about basically how it works and what it, what is interesting about it is, and I didn't know this. Of course, it's a programmable it's a programmable chip. Basically, you're you can pro, you can put in the program and it can emulate. Uh, any, well, not anything, but a lot of things like the hardware level, mm -hmm. basically. And so, I knew that. You think, okay, it's a programmable chip, that's kind of cool. But you don't really think about what that means, right? So, I thought, okay, it emulates a faster processor, it, it gives you, and you, it's got some memory on the board, wham, bam, Bob's your uncle. Nah, uh, uh This thing, when it gets going in your Amiga, it's emulating the chipset, pretty much for speed purposes, it, it emulates some or all of the custom chips, and, and at any point, it can emulate them to suit its needs. 
I guess it's kind of hard to explain. And the gentleman that was giving a presentation, uh, I think it was Magica, uh, was saying effectively, because some guy asked, if you have this in your Amiga, is it only using the I.O. and the video and, and you know, the disk drive? Is that pretty much all it's using? And the guy said no, but... He really meant yes. No, it's no with a but. It does, you. it can use all that stuff. But effectively, it doesn't even really need the Amiga for anything, but... That, that stuff. So, because we've had to set up one, I've had this, I don't know, philosophical discussion, when is the Amiga not an Amiga? And I mean, the neat thing about this thing is, given the programmable abilities of it, you could literally put this in a machine and say, oh, just tell it you're a Mac. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're, you're on your Amiga, and it's a, and I don't mean like you're emulating a Mac or you're using a bridge board to be a Mac. You, it's a, it's, you're using the Mac's chips, effectively. Right. Or a PC. Mm-hmm. And the guy talked about using advanced versions of this car to effectively make the Amiga as fast as any modern computer, mm-hmm. right? With, you know, and with it, with its architecture, and, and, and he went into the further discussion of how the, uh, uh, at, you know, in time, the people would write programs and stuff up to, to, uh, to catch up with the current, you know, you'd have your Firefox, and you'd have your blah, 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 blah. So... It was a real interesting. If you haven't seen that video, it's up on the. It's I've got it linked up on the on the Google Plus. Uh, it was a real interesting video. Um, yeah, I think if this is the future, it's a preferable future to me than what we had in the early two thousands, where you had all of this new, very very expensive PowerPC based hardware like the Amiga X one and stuff like well, that. Well, he mentioned that their goal when they started this project was to to basically undercut everything else mm-hmm. because they thought it got too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny when you listen to these guys. And, of course, there's a language barrier. He was speaking English, but, I mean, you know, it's I'm sure you can't fully describe the way he wants to do stuff in English. But, I mean, the guy sounds very passionate. These guys had a plan to a certain degree. They're victims of their own success almost certainly. But uh, Just like us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, it, um, boy, it was an interesting it was an interesting listen. And, uh, uh, you know, I was talking to my buddy uh, at work about this, and we, were, we got into kind of this discussion. He's not a huge Amiga guy, but I've picked up some stuff from me because I talk about it. And, you know, he says, listen, because I was like, you know, boy, you know, maybe we're going over, this does go over the edge. And I've had conversations with you and some of the other listeners. But my buddy said, well, listen, what happens in a few years where you can't get the parts to fix these things? And they go out. You know, you're going to have to have something. It's, and it, it's an inevitable future. Mm-hmm. And so anything that can sort of keep the ball rolling, even at this level, is probably, even if you look at it under that, into that area, you know, there's definitely a use for it. If you're 100% against it, at least it could keep you in, in business effectively. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was interesting and a good video. I recommend it. It's sad that I put it up, but I just had a chance to look at it this week. But I, it it's, uh, gives you some insight yeah. for sure. Yeah. What well, do you got? Well, the, the big news for the week is the big what, news. what went down on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this on Friday. So on Tuesday, October 4th, 10-4, good buddy, uh, we... You like that. Um, so uh, I interviewed none other than Philip and Andrew Oliver, mm. the Oliver twins. The big one. Yeah. This is a big one. And uh, thanks to Dreamcatcher again for setting things up for us. Um, I just he does sent, it all. I sent Philip an email. He sent me back his Skype info, and away we went. Um, we are going to publish this on uh, next week's episode. So you'll get to see it. It will be next week's episode. We won't have a normal episode. We've got to take a week off because we're planning a super mega episode that we're going to tell you about a little bit later on the show. 
Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this interview, Aaron. I, unfortunately, I was out of town at Scarefest this, this past weekend, and I didn't get a B at it, which I was gutted. I wanted to be there bad, but I know the uh, listeners asked some really good questions, mm-hmm. and uh, boy, I, I can't wait to hear it Yeah, myself. we had Will Williams and Dreamcatcher and some other folks just kind of contribute to um, asking you know some questions that were off the beaten path, not the stuff that they get asked all the time. Um, really doing the interview was very easy. I just kind of asked a question and let them go. It was like winding, a, winding up a toy. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they were very entertaining. Um, whenever I asked follow-up questions, they were right there. Um, it was a, it's a video interview. Uh, so we ha- you had the video, plus I've interspersed some appropriate screenshots and videos. Um, now, presumably, you're going to knock this down to MP3 as well. For podcast yeah, yeah. this is also going to be issued as a normal <laughs> MP3 um, How about the transcript boat? <laughs> you know, there's a oh, just for one with YouTube you, has one of those uh, automatic transcript functions. You can use that at you your ever own seen peril. That thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a it's a great interview. It runs just over an hour long, and uh, we wow. co- we cover everything from their very first Dragon Thirty Two type in program, awesome, all the way up to their newest endeavor, which is called Sky Saga. Which uh, they uh, generously granted me early closed alpha access to. Unbelievable. And Unbelievable. I, I gave it a little play tonight. And I think this is going to be a great game. Um, it's a cross between, you have the, the kind of crafting and the, the cubicle kind of uh, retro-ish, pixel-ish elements of Minecraft. But it's higher fidelity than Minecraft. Um if you mix that with a questing system out of World of Warcraft, plus all the the benefits of playing with you know a huge multiverse of players, um, it looks very. It looks a lot like it, um, like Kingdom Hearts. You know. Oh my! So um, mm. it's very very colorful. Um, it looks like it's a whole lot of fun. I know a lot of people that are going to be looking for that because yeah. that sounds like a dream game for and, a lot of people. Um, I'm not going to give away too much of what we talked about on the interview, but I will say this. They're, they're doing all of their development in-house. They're not outsourcing anything. Everything's coming out of the UK, so that always makes me happy when they're not <laughs> shipping stuff out to the lowest bidder. Um, and they, they just seem like genuinely nice people, which is refreshing. You know, Sometimes you don't want to meet your heroes, but in this case, it was great. I think that's I think it's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. I'm sure it'll be good. Hey, hopefully, I mean I don't know. It's you kind of topped out straight out of the gate. Unfortunately, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> where we're gonna go to. Well, uh, there, there there's a little bird in my ear that keeps telling me that David Pleasance wants that's, to be on the show. That's the other big one so. I would love to get. Uh, that would be awesome. You know, I've got some questions, uh, and I'm sure. I mean, he's this guy's a lot of that material is, is well trodden, but I mean there's. I've got There's some still questions. some gold to be I've mined. I've got some stuff never heard. Yeah, you know, yeah. And so I'm not sure to answer it. But so we, uh, <laughs> we'll uh, find out. As long as Dreamcatcher can keep working his mojo, then uh, maybe we'll we'll have some more uh, shining stars in the in the computer landscape. Yeah, but still the Oliver Twins. Woof. Yeah, I'm telling you, I know not our show. Two cup, two suckers in a base in West Virginia. <laughs> That's got to be the first time any West Virginians have interviewed Oliver Twins. I, I almost guarantee that. Too <laughs> <laughs> many Christmas. That's great, Bo. Well done, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's game time. Let's talk world class leaderboard golf, <clears throat> shall we? Let's do it. Um, world class leaderboard golf. 
a. Uh, this is the first golf game we've ever covered on Amigos. It is. We, oh, you, of course, you had the it was a Nick Faldo. Mm-hmm. We uh, did an Amigos plays of uh, Nick. Or no, it wasn't Nick Faldo. Oh yeah, I guess we've done two other ones because I did Sensible Golf. Too. Sensible Golf. I, yeah, you know, I, and that didn't look that good. To it's, me. it's for a name with with a, a game with the name of Sensible on the front. You really expected more. <laughs> yeah. So world class leaderboard golf. Uh, and I have a history with this, uh, dating way back. Me too. It's, it's funny you should pick it. I thought you picked it because I had a history with it, but I guess you, I didn't know you had one. Yeah, I do. Um, <clears throat> released in 88, uh, and it was uh, uh, published by Access uh, Software. Uh, it's funny. Oh, in the United States and in the rest of the world, U.S. goal, of course. Um, Access, I know a lot. Of, I mean, I remember a lot of their games. It's funny. Uh, they uh, they did a game called Crime Wave, if you'll recall. They did the Tex, uh, Tex Murphy games. I've never heard of either of those. Really? Um, they did Heavy Metal. Based on the magazine? I don't remember. That one, I'm, I don't remember playing it. Okay. Uh, they did, they of course did uh, Leaderboard Golf. Mm-hmm. They did uh, Executive Leaderboard Golf. For the rich? And then they did World Class Leaderboard Golf. And then they also did Lynx, the Lynx series, which was... Very popular. You know, all these were really popular, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Um, the, uh, the, uh, it's funny, I looked at the budget, don't ask me why I took a while here. The budget publisher, just because their name caught my eye, was Kix. Like K-I-X-X. Oh, not like the series. And it, and it was a U- it was a low-end U.S. gold budget re-release label, and they specialized in stuff between three and ten pounds per game. So, kind of neat. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, uh, the information I found, just I think I wikied it, was the fact that they were ex-Mastertronic uh, employees. Makes sense, mm-hmm. right? And uh, uh, the funny thing about it is, they were they were they stuck around for a little while, and they did they they would basically go through back catalogs and buy and, and find stuff to pull what out. A, what a job, you know. Your job is to go through this back catalog and pick out fun games. They were like Gremlin back catalog stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they did stuff uh, on Spectrum, Amstrad, MSX as well. Um, and then another wacky budget group called Classics with a big X. The I-X. <laughs> X was, X's were huge. K-L-A-S-S-I-X. Uh, <clears throat> World Class Leader Golf was one of the first games they released on their budget title, along with Outrun and something called Foundations Waste, which I've, never, I've not heard of that Me one neither. on the Amiga. Um, so this game... It's it's uh you can have up to four players. It's uh, one it's uh you know hot seat one at a time. Um, <clears throat> it the uh, it's funny the people that worked on it are, are not Amiga Star Wars but were people that I I knew about from the PC mostly. Uh, was this originally released on the PC? I think it was an original PC game that was poor. It was definitely not a, 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 an Amiga game. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that the original release. I knew it was. I mean, either PC or C64. It may. I take that back. It was a C64. Okay. You're right. Um, the. Uh, it also had a uh, a uh, courses disc uh, that was released. So I like to add on disc. You know, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Uh, so the. Uh, uh, the, the funny thing is, the, the guy that digressed this thing is a guy named Doug Vandergrift. And all he did on the Amiga was this. And the funny thing about him is, is he's the one that does all the wacky commentary. You know, he hit the tree, Jim, you know. He's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> yeah, he does, he, does the, he does the commentary, which I always, I always thought that was kind of neat. Um, the uh, game was the baby of Bruce Carver, of the Carver brothers. Uh, I don't know what you know about them, but they basically... 
Axis was pretty much their baby. They and, and they did a ton of games. It's a lot of uh, brother duos. And yeah, I know. That's why it's funny that you were talking about the Oliver mm-hmm. twins. Um, I'll get into I'll get to Carver later. Uh, the artist, uh, the coder in this is credited to Starbuck, and uh, his name's plastered all over the yeah, title screen. And he and, and his only Amiga contributions, or the, I don't know if that's I guess that's the developer. I don't think that's a guy. I was uh, thinking it was like you know Starbuck. Yeah, Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> uh, this would have been the guy one. Uh, they of course work class leaderboard and of course the disc. That's about all. That's pretty much all. It was. Pretty much everyone here did uh, like the Carver brothers, Bruce and Roger. They did the leaderboard golf stuff. And again, there were three released on the Amiga. They released leaderboard golf, executive uh, leaderboard golf, and world class leaderboard golf before they did Lynx. I had forgotten that Lynx was even on the Amiga. Mm. Totally forgotten, and I remember loading it up and being like, "Dang, that's pretty good." Because I'd seen it on the PC. Um, so this game got a lot of conversions, and it's included some of our favorites: um, the Acorn Archimedes. Yes, we're gonna get one of those. <laughs> uh, of course, the Amstrad, uh, Apple II, Atari ST, the Commodore, of course, which again it was developed on there. Uh, the PC, uh, this Game Gear. Which I don't have that. I don't That's think. interesting. You'd think that that was late enough in the game that they would have ported Links. I've got of... a game for the Game Gear that's golf. It may be. I now that I think about it, I may actually own that. Go check it out and see. Uh, the Master System, gotta have it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the Genesis. You know, weird, right? Yeah. Um, the Sinclair ZX Spectrum, of course. Oh, I'd love to play the Spectrum version of this. <laughs> and uh, um, the, uh, like I said, the the it had it had a courses disc. And the courses that came with the on the on the expansion were, uh, um, let me see here. Uh, it was uh, uh, Dorado Beach, Harbor Town, Pine Ridge, and Sunningdale. One of the things this thing did was use actual courses. Mm-hmm. Courses that come with it. Uh, that three of the four were real courses: uh, Cypress Creek, Doral, and St. Andrews real courses. And then Gauntlet uh, <laughs> was a was a made up course. Uh, it's it's by far my least favorite of the bunch. I think my favorite would probably be St. Andrews. Oh, yeah. Um, One thing about World Class Leaderboard uh, that will differentiate it from a lot of games, and really all the leaderboard games, they had no elevations at all. So The only thing that was elevated were the greens. Right. And uh, this was done for, you know, because it was the easiest way to go Mm -hmm. for limitations and whatnot. Now, if you go and and try uh, Lynx, it actually has a lot, you know, it's got it's textured mm-hmm. elevated you really land. didn't see elevated uh, <clears throat> elevation in golf games for a while well mean 18 had it which was a uh, uh, you know in the same ballpark e- year what year did this come out 88 yeah I guess I'm thinking like well mean 18 was more geared toward the 16-bit machines mm-hmm. where world class was coming off of the 8-bit right, machines right. and it was developed on a machine so and just reading, I read some articles. I'm going to put a link up to a uh, to a great site that had a lot of information I, I, that I read about this. But from as from what I could read and understand, because they went into a lot of deep programming jargon, the the math that was used uh, to generate the course and to generate your position and stuff, it was it was it. There were limitations that kept that in the, into the 2D realm. Mm-hmm. It was not. I mean, it was a definitely a different sort of golf game than Mean 18. And I mean, there was. I looked at Amiga golf games, and I was looking for this on eBay, and there's there was a lot of golf games. I was surprised how many there were. I think there's 19. That's crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm not. I've mean, gotten had the PC. I don't know the PC's got that many. That's a ton of golf That's a games. Lot. 
you know. Uh, but uh, uh, the uh, so let's talk about the game. I guess is the best way to go. You want to talk about generally what you see on the screen? Yeah. So um, this is your if you think about graphic wise, this is coming right at the end of like you said the eight bit kind of graphical era where it's it's limited colors. Uh, everything is very pixelized, so you can tell that everything's made of pixels. Um, it's beautiful. It's very well, well drawn for pixel art. It looks very good. Uh, it's colorful. Um, you've got your what we now consider to be your standard kind of golf game layout where you have your main window on the world on the left side, then on the right side you have all your statistics. You've got the wind. Uh, you've got, if you're on the green, you've got the slope of the green. Um, You've got your uh, club selection, and then under that you have your your power meter, which doubles as your hook slice meter. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's all it's all fairly standard fare. One thing that's a little different about uh, leaderboard golf versus other golf games from the same period is how small your power meter is. Um, you know, on the screen it's probably two inches big. It doesn't span the length. Of the, of the window like it does like, in say, a lot a Neo, of games. Like, say, Neo Like, Turf, Turf Masters, Masters yeah. or Golf on uh, the Nintendo. Um, pretty much any other golf game. The uh, the thing that struck me about first of all, they handled the greens real well. I like the stick. Mm -hmm. and you tell, you know, I, I thought that was a good handling of the way it worked. Um, this game is sort of credited with coming up with that triple-click system. It might, uh, yeah. And, uh, well, and Mean 18 developed it s similarly mm -hmm. and independently. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, and it's funny that get, that system, to a certain degree, still exists. I mean, you know, a lot of games are yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Um, I like that, you know, you it's got your, like you said, you got your standard stuff. World Class Leaderboard added uh, the, the ability to do the punch shot, which was right. sort of like... Uh, You're hitting it low. Yeah, it's a low shot. Mm -hmm. And with any club, you mm -hmm. can really go for it. And, the, and it helped. Uh, the uh, uh, gave you uh, the ability to pick from a uh, kid all the way up to pro. There's three selections like there's kid, amateur, and pro. Mm -hmm. In terms, and if you play kid, like for example, I believe you every shot goes straight. Yeah, you know, yeah, and I it, don't think it, there's any wind. Yeah, it's not as forgiving uh, on amateur and in, uh, pro. There's you just, you're impossible. on your, your yeah. no, it's not impossible, <laughs> but it's I usually put amateur. On, yeah. truth be told, mm -hmm. um, the uh, the game uh, is not the quickest. You know, now I played it on the on the twelve hundred. I remember playing this on my one thousand, and it was not the quickest. Uh, but it was not; it was a lot faster than Lynx. Ended up being Lynx was much much slower, uh, as I recall. I uh, uh, I played this mostly. I played it on the PC before I played the Amiga version, so I uh, played the hell out of it on there. Not so much on the Amiga because by the time I got the Amiga and had started fooling with it, Lynx would had came out. You know, and so I'd moved along. But I. I Played it some, and of course I played a lot this week. Um, the uh, the funny thing about this, and again, I, when I think about this, uh, primarily I think about it on the PC because it came with Access had developed. Well, actually, from what I read, they had actually bought a company that had developed this uh, technique to play uh, digitized sound through right. a PC speaker. Right. This was to me. This is one of the most incredible feats of engineering. It was. I mean. It was called Real Audio, mm -hmm. and this was the first game I ever saw with that in it. I think it was the first game ever released with it. It may have it. been. I remember, I think they had a game called Crime Wave that had it, and they had some other games that ended up having mm -hmm. it. Uh, but uh, the, this is the one, and of course, most people remember that some of the phrases, you know, hit the tree, Jim. It's like, or he's in the water, or he's getting wet. You know, mm -hmm. but the guy would mock you, you know. Or when you 
when you miss a shot, it's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because uh, on the PC, of course, you're talking about an era where no one had sound cards, mm-hmm. myself included. They really they didn't exist, to be completely honest with you. They weren't any out hardly. And eventually something called AdLib came out, which was the standard for a while, but it was crap, you know, and everybody knew it. And so eventually Sound Blaster came out, and they pretty much became the standard. But to have not to have your PC speaker not go beep or boop, I honestly didn't think it had the capability to right. not go beep or right. boop. Um, so this was a pretty big deal. That said, uh, when you roll across to the Amiga, sound was not a priority. They made no effort. No. <laughs> It was a. I mean, this is a. I'm guessing this was just a straight up, kick it, kick the can down the road, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, get it done. And I'm guessing that the other versions probably were similarly yeah. done. And I think uh, once they got off the C64, which this was from all I've read. Of course, this isn't the uh, C64 Amigos. This is a. But I looked into it a little bit since that's you know because uh, uh, that's the lineage. Well, Bruce Carver came up on the 64. In fact, he was sort of a wizard of it, and uh, he developed. He basically just just looked into his backstory a little bit, and if, basically he worked for a company, and they said, listen, uh, we need to learn how to use computers. Here's the C64. Here's all the books. Go learn how to program this. Wow. He was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, he, and he did, and he became quite a whiz. And if early in the C64 days, uh, you couldn't, they didn't have very good documentation. I mean, they practically had none. And... Uh, the C64 shipped, and, and of course, this is something you learn pick up from Kim Justice's video on Tremel. It sh- the C64 shipped with a real old version of Basic that mm-hmm. didn't support any of the new stuff. Right. And so the only way to access this stuff was to peek and poke, uh, you know, and, and addresses and stuff. Then they weren't. And so people would write them all down, mm-hmm. and they would swap them. And this guy had learned how to do certain techniques that no one knew how to do, and uh, it made him a bit of a of a, of a, of a wizard. It gave it made his name effectively. And then uh, he, you know, at a user's meeting, someone from Commodore saw what he was doing and said, here, here's an here's a envelope full of extra stuff that no one else knows. Don't show them, but you can use it. So he was the, he had the keys to the castle for a mm-hmm. while. And then uh, he brought his brother in who was a programmer in the Navy. And the two of them, you know, cranked out stuff. And so these guys were, they were prodigies for a while, you know. Uh, um, they did a lot of stuff and, and they had enough common sense to see that a company that made real sound was around. They picked them up. They implemented that into the into the into the mix on some on the PC, and so golf was their bag. And they really they really uh, uh, went to work on it. They also did a couple of my favorite C sixty four games, being Beachhead and Beachhead two, which were great games. They both had digitized sound in them. If you'll recall, have you ever played either one I, of those? These, I'm assuming these are beach volleyball games. No, these are war games. You, beachhead, beachhead. You know, like a beachhead. Oh, okay. Like you're getting on the beach to get your troops on. Okay. I, now I was more of a beachhead two guy, but that's I guess maybe I was tardy to the party, you know. Uh, but beachhead two, beachhead one, basically you're you control a, a bunch of soldiers and they're trying to infiltrate this, uh, the beach and get off the beach and get in this uh, uh, fort. And you're trying to overthrow this guy called the dictator, right? Mm-hmm. And in the second game, it's two players, and one guy gets to be the dictator, <laughs> you know, which was awesome. And it had all the digitized sound, you know. And I remember one thing that you'd hear on that one: you'd get shot, and the guy would go medic. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, that's awesome. Anything's talking, you right? Know? It's so easy to impress people that are old, but they were young like that. I was yeah. like, wow, it's talking. <laughs> but anyway, so these guys came off the CCC4 like a house of fire. And, but uh, something I didn't know when I read is that the uh, a lot of their games were getting um, they're getting a bad rep for being real violent. And in Europe, 
and uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can attest, your game would get banned. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, Beachhead 2, I believe, was banned. I think Beachhead 1 was banned. Both of them were banned in like, Germany or somewhere. And so they thought, well, we need to turn ourselves into another area. And so what they decided to do was make sports games, and they were going to be the leaderboard series. It was going to be leaderboard. I think, it was like, I think their games were going to do were golf, like football or baseball, and like bowling. And another sort of one. like a TV sports. Right, exactly. And they made golf first, and golf was so good and so popular, they were like, well, screw everything else. <laughs> yeah. Now, I believe they ended up doing 10th frame bowling as well, which is a pretty renowned game, as I recall, in the C64. Again, my C64 knowledge is not what it could be because I don't have a C64, really. I guess we got a couple, but we don't use them. Uh, but uh, So the golf ended up being their baby, and they pretty much rode the golf train for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, between all the leaderboard series and all the way up to the Lynx, and there were a million different revisions of the Lynx series. Uh, but that much said, uh, World Class Leaderboard is considered the best of the leaderboard golf series. I agree, having played all three. Uh, it's it's got it, it looks good for the time. The uh, the Amiga version, I said it. I played it on the twelve hundred. I set it right beside. Uh, I, I, uh, I found someone that had a YouTube of the PC version, just like I remembered it, and I put them side by side. Graphically, the PC version is better, which that's that's showing you that's a shoddy well, board. It's the PC version has multicolored trees, that, and, that, and that's the Amiga version doesn't have the. I mean, it's got when I say multicolored trees, I mean the leaves are more than one color per tree. Exactly. Okay. Well, I mean, there's like you have to see it, but it's it looks better. Okay, it looks a lot better. Uh, the the real sound, I mean, the Amiga could do that stuff right out of the box. And so why it wasn't great is yeah. ludicrous. Yeah. Um, the interface is a little goofy. You know, it's okay. But, I mean, I, I would like a little bit more. You can't really, there's no customization. I guess it was pre, you know, before any of that stuff. But it's a straight-up game of golf, and it's a good game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny being used to more modern golf games. Uh, you forget that the game does not automatically select which club it thinks you should use oh, in between yeah, shots. Yeah, I learned if, that. I, remind, if, I was reminded of that pretty quick. If you're not careful, you'll hit that driver when you're right next to the green. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, I did it a few times. And the funny thing about this game, of course, this is uh, this is standard stuff. But man, I, I bounce that ball off that pin so many times. You know, <laughs> it seems to happen a lot more often in the game than it yeah, does in real life. Yeah, and and. Um, I will say a lot of games you get on the green, and I'm not. I never feel like I'm getting a fair shake. This one, I always felt like I was getting a fair yeah. shake. You know, I think the game is very fair when it comes to controls. Yeah, especially compared to a lot of the games that we play. I like the fact that you can print out your scorecard. That's neat. If you it wanted to, I remember thinking that was pretty amusing back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, it'd be awesome if it had some sort of online support, but again, you know, hey, but Stunt Car Racer had That's it. Good. Why not this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't think any of them had it. To be fair, uh, it's like I said. It, I guess the pros. It's a good game of golf. It looks okay. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, if you compare this to Lynx, that was re- I think Lynx was released four four years later, maybe maybe five. I think it might have been ninety two. I'm not one hundred percent sure, but I mean, the difference in the, graphically between the two is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, un- unbelievable. Uh, and and it but is it play better? It's so slow. Yeah, you know it's it, it's tough. To, I mean, there's something to be said for a, a quick game. Now right? let me ask you this: the my lineage with this game, I leaderboard golf, not world class, but normal leaderboard golf, was the very first computer golf game I ever played. Oh yeah, really? Yeah, on the old uh, CGA eighty eighty eight. Yeah. Um, 
and I definitely remember, you know, trees being drawn in, you know, as you... On the Amiga, is it just because I'm using an emulator that, that everything <laughs> appears instantly? Well, on mine, they don't. They okay. draw, they drew okay. in. So it probably is. It might be put a feature of WHD load. Yeah. Able well, to I'm using WHD load, and it still drew okay. in. So I'd wait until it's, it's running at a quicker pace. Um, the uh, which is I something did, I did have to crank the the CPU down to negative ninety to get this to run at the pot <laughs> at the at the normal oh, wow. speed. Wow. Um, the uh, I will say that that uh, that tree draw is one of this series trademarks the way mm -hmm. it does it. And it, and the funny thing about it is. There's nothing worse than having a bad shot and watching this sucker draw, and you know, sure as you're sitting there, because you can see your ball, you can see your guy, and you're waiting for the trees. You know they're going to put a dang tree right in front right of in you. The middle, right? yeah. You know, every time you got to go off and try to knock that thing out. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, what can you do? The uh, I was reading that the when they they when the guys did this game, they wanted to make it pretty realistic. So they actually filmed golfers. Mm -hmm. And, and like were the hand, swing looks good. Yeah, they were hand drawn mm -hmm. in the swing. They mm -hmm. wanted it to be a proper game of golf, mm -hmm. you know, which I, I appreciate. I don't know how many games before this used real courses. I thought that was cool. Mm -hmm. I like you know, mm -hmm. it's by the way you're talking about the first golf game you ever played. You're I, you're gonna laugh. And thank God cause I I had read about this. Uh, in fact, I read about it a couple months ago. I stumbled across, but I used to play this golf game that was text based. Really? Way it was like a basic game, I believe, mm -hmm. and it was way way back. I don't know where it came from. Uh, and it was pretty pretty fun, you know, which club you're going to use. I don't know how they determined where the ball went or whatever, but it was... <laughs> you should try and find the name. We could do an Amigos plays of that. No, I don't think there was an Amiga release of a text-based... Uh... Doesn't matter. We'll do it. <laughs> we'll do that and we'll do Dallas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're dying to do that. That's on the Amigos play Coco. Uh, but overall, um, again, simple golf. It's not... I mean, it's simple. It is. But, I mean, we love Neo Turf Masses. We're both big fans. And Neo Turf Masses is the same game. I mean, effectively, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's probably even less techy in terms of like it doesn't have the punch. Doesn't you know? This, you know, it's they don't use real courses. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it looks better. Obviously, it's more modern. But I mean, we both like that simple thing. Yeah. Same with baseball, mm -hmm. with the same way. So mm -hmm. I like a good game where you sit down and you just. It's funny. I don't play golf in real life, but it is relaxing to sit down and play around. And I have to say, I played multiple rounds this week. It's a it's a it's a great game. It is. It really it's a is. fun game. Um, we're gonna have to do links at some point because it's been so long since I played it mm -hmm. that I'd like to see how they compare. But uh, uh, and I wish it was as uh, as good looking as the PC version. Mm -hmm. Inexcusable, inexcusable. Uh, but uh, you know what can you do? Yeah. So overall, I, I give it a thumbs up. You know, it's the best golf game ever played. No, but it's one. It was certainly the best game I played back then. Yeah, me too. I feel exactly the same way. Oh, eBay. This is something I found interesting. Not only were there no listings for world class leaderboard golf on eBay, but there I couldn't find any evidence that there had ever been one there. Really? Nope. None. Nothing. I don't mean. I don't mean. I mean no discs, no compilations, no uh, box games, no just the box. I couldn't find nothing, hmm. which I thought was very strange. Yeah. Uh, so, if you're looking for world-class leaderboard golf for the Amiga, you know, and good luck finding the course disc, the discs, you can yeah. forget about that. You know, and I'm like, I've tried to find out how those were sold and whatnot. I, I don't know if they were sold through uh, the back of the book mm -hmm. or I don't know how those worked, you know, mm -hmm. or, but they were, they, the course disc came out the same year. And so, uh, uh, I would guess they were, they probably advertised them and 
maybe you just ordered them. Yeah. But they were probably virtually impossible to, to find these days. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Bruce passed away uh, uh, in, uh, I believe it was 2006, and uh, uh, too young, you know, but he was considered, he was named one of the PC gods of gaming at the time, uh, you know, before his death. So this guy was no lightweight. He did. He went on to do a ton of games. Uh, like I said, of course, he did the Lynx stuff. Uh, if you, I'm surprised you haven't heard any of the Tex Murphy games. They were pretty popular on the PC. Uh, he did. He was. That was his baby. Echelon. That may have been the first real audio game. It was right around the same time, '87. So it probably would have been. Uh, if it's, it was like a space game. I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever heard of that one. Um, Raid over Moscow. That was another one. That's another one that got him in trouble for violence. Uh, yeah, he did Tenth Frame. Um, like I said, the Lynx games were the main ones. I mean, it's funny. Look at this list. It's Lynx 386, Lynx 36 CD, Lynx 36 Pro, you know, Lynx LS Classic. They just hey, went on and on and on. You find that golden goose, or you find that goose that lays the golden eggs, and you just keep feeding it. Yeah, you're right. And so it looks like the last thing that got put out that he was involved in was te- the Tex Murphy game from 2009, which I remember, actually. And then Lynx LS Classic 2001. So, he, so they, they were releasing stuff up in 2001. And then eventually, Access got soaked into another... Uh, they changed their name to, like, Indie Games or something like that. And, and it, they ended up going away in, like, 2006. So, mm-hmm. no more Access. No more Lynx, presumably. But, I don't know. It's a pretty popular series. I guess it could pop back up. I don't know who owns the rights. Yeah. <laughs> did you look at any uh, reviews this week for magazines? Oh, I did, actually. I'm glad you reminded me. There weren't that many. Mm-hmm. This game really... It, you know, it wasn't... Kind of flew that, under the radar. It wasn't even that early in the Amiga. You'd think there'd be some action, but maybe just no one gave a crap about golf. Um, the reviews were you know, pretty good. 86, 84, and 4 out of 5. Uh, Amiga Action liked it. You know, gave it 86%. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was a pretty popular game. And, uh, you know, still is with me. So, Well, uh, that is... that is, it's, it's weird because we're, we're done with the game now. But we're going to the feedback. It is weird. <laughs> That's a lot of feedback. Yeah. So, um... I guess we'll just kick it off with Adam Battersby. He right. wrote in and then said, uh, are you guys going to Amy West? Amy West? Yes, I did see this. That amused me. And so um, a lot of times I think people mis- misjudge the size of these United States. Uh, Absolutely. Um, so for we live in West Virginia, which is sort of on, I mean, we're on the East Coast. We're, we're pretty much on the East Coast. We're on East Coast time. East Coast-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, Amy West is in Sacramento, California. The approximate distance of uh, if we were to drive from our house to Sacramento, you might as well drive from Edinburgh, Scotland to Moscow. Yeah, so you know, it's, when I read that, when I read that that comment, because I'd, I'd heard that a lot of Europeans don't understand the vastness of the U.S. So I was like, I wonder how big the U.K. is in comparison to a state, for mm-hmm. example. And I read that there are five states bigger than the UK, right? Just states, and there's another, there's a bunch of states that are real close. Mm-hmm. West Virginia is like a, a one fourth the size of the UK, and we're not a huge state, right? You know, so so to put that puts it in perspective. It's a big, like wide country. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes forever to get anywhere. I listen to these guys uh, talk about going to different shows and stuff, and I'm like, I don't want to drive. It's you know, it's a I guess people look at... Now, I could be wrong on this, but I guess people judge the distances of how long a long drive is mm-hmm. in different in different ways. Like, uh, you know, and also, we don't have... 
like you guys have the awesome train system. Right, it's all it's all have any relative that. to that too. Think about that. We don't have the awesome train system. We got we just have to drive yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, gas is so much more expensive in in England. You know, it's like five five pounds a liter. Oh, jeez. And so, um, O'Brien's wrote in. And, uh, oh, we should probably add that. Yes, we would love to go to Amy West. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to go to Amy anything. But yeah, unfortunately, it's nowhere near. Right, and uh, we there's a chance we might be able to swing going to Venice Pure Festival Southeast this year. Maybe where's that at? That's in Georgia. Georgia, that's still a hell of a drive. Yeah, but there's a better chance of us going there than Sacramento. I've heard that thing's great too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, O'Brien's wrote in and said, "Hey guys, uh, he worked as a paper boy." I saw. Okay. So we we did Paperboy last week. To, we discussed whether Paperboy still existed, um, and uh, he worked his way up to yeah, game owner, game, yeah. game shop owner. <laughs> and short uh, Sean Courtney wrote in, and he said that they just covered uh, Do Run Run on the Pie Factory podcast. <laughs> so we're gonna have to check that out. And he said that off the top of his head, he believes that the Amiga and maybe the ST got ports. The, from what I read, I looked this up after the show. The MSX got a port. And the Amiga, and as far as I could tell, that was it. Oh. Yeah, so if the Atari ST got one, I, it must have been listed in the list I saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some feedback related to Will Williams' article on the Vista Pro. Uh-huh. And this is this comes from Reddit. This guy named uh, Lord Dimwit uh, <laughs> wrote in. And he, <laughs> Only Reddit. He said that... Um, he said there was a cool feature where Vista would play music based on the numbers it was crunching for the landscapes. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't remember that. Which, yeah. Uh, and he said, one time I put all the settings to max, including three generation, waited for hours. You could watch the scene get painted on the screen. I watched the beautiful landscape paint itself, and then at the last minute, a tree popped up right in front of the camera. His entire picture was the trunk of the tree obscuring the beautiful landscape around it. <laughs> that could happen. You know, that, that was an awesome program. The Amiga had a bunch of stuff that I tried for the first time there, and Roy... I don't know. Like I remember that program I played with quite a bit. Then they had a program that was like a Morphe program. I think it was just called Morph or Amy Morph, something like that. And Morphe was the rage in those days. And you'd see it on TV all the time, where you know a picture would fade into another picture. Mm -hmm. And boy, was that a lot of fun to play with, you know? And I was thinking, I was like, man, I'm doing this at my house, and I'm watching it on TV, and you can do it. It could turn out some pretty decent product, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm a schlub. I don't know anything about art, <laughs> you know. I remember getting a digitized picture of myself on the Amiga, and which was no easy task. And then, uh, you know, and then lining up the grid, mm -hmm. and then li and then give my making myself a zombie. I look like I'm, just, you know, disintegrating. God, it was really neat. It was a we lot should, of fun. We should fool around with some of that stuff. We should. Day. That might That'd be, be kind of fun. That'd be cool. Um, Jonas Rulo uh, wrote in. He said uh, he loved hard driving. He only drove. He only used the stick. He was a manual transmission only. On I, hard I have been mocked for my <laughs> use of the automatic engine. Um, and uh, he said that they had the sit-down environmental version at the Diversions Game Room at two locations in San Antonio. Nice. Um, That's a good one. He said he can't believe that you didn't mention the train in the tunnel. I forgot all about it, to be honest with you. And he said that uh, that's how he used to end most of his games, just running right into the train. <laughs> I believe that Hard Drive also had like a mystery zone you could drive to. I know the arcade version huh. about it. I don't. I should try that on the Amiga, but it was like a mystery like area. Uh, yeah. Well, he said that um, you know you can drive off the edge of the train tunnel exit and spin the car in midair, and that's how you can win. By the time it crashes, you've already won another round. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever. I never yeah. tried that. And uh, so he also wonders how much did you pay for hard driving when you when you bought it? One hundred and fifty dollars. It's the 
It's the it's the it's a stand up. What's not what is it? It's a half. What do you, what you call what that is? You've seen like it. Like the stun runner type. It's a sit down stand sit down, up. But, yeah. So it's like half half an environmental. Yeah. <laughs> half hey, environment. it's for sale right now. If you may want. Well, actually, it's supposed to be sold, but we're waiting for the pickup. So. Mm. Uh, we sold it for less than I think we paid a hundred or hundred fifty bucks. It was in a barn, like I said, it was in a barn, and uh, but when we got there, it looked it looked so sad. <laughs> and my brother and me, and we had to go through hell and perdition to get there. These good old boys. I mean, we were out in the middle of sticks. It was the middle of the night. Oh my gosh! And uh, and you're out there. Seems you're, like all these all these pickups, they all go down in the same sort of environment. We had we have a cocktail uh, crane machine that we picked up in this guy's house, and I mean, it was way out in the hills of Virginia. And this guy built his own coffins on the side. And he took me into his barn. He goes, let me show you something. And I didn't know what he did. And I look over and there's just coffins everywhere. I'm like, well, I'm a dead man. Oh, my gosh. And I remember looking at I mean, he went inside to get He went inside to get something. I was selling his front porch. So I was just looking down. And through the cracks of his porch, I could see a Pac-Man marquee laying there. <laughs> so I guess Pac-Man didn't make it out alive. <laughs> this guy killed him. That's great. Creepy. Sometime, maybe on the pre-show, we should do craziest arcade pickup stories man i got i got those for days (laughs) um chris folds wrote in and he said that uh he commented the recording from last week was a little bit quieter we're trying a new setup this week hopefully the recording will be a little bit louder we're going to scream yeah (laughs) um but he said uh that in england they had the big hard drive and also at the local arcade and it was it was 50p ago so that was yeah. The, hard was, driving was one of the ones that, that was it a fifty cent It was machine? a it was a big one. Yeah, it was a big expensive one. But of course, at the time, like I said, people I mentioned this during the interview or the review, but people sort of mock hard driving now. I've seen people make fun of it on videos and stuff for the Genesis and stuff. You got to put it in perspective of when it was released. I mean, this thing was a real. This was a, a revolution in game. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, like I said, it was used. People used it in driving school, and so they had special versions. This was a real big deal. I mean, mm. it was a stick. It gave you a little realistic feedback on the stick. It was a big deal. So you can mock it now. You know, oh, look at that. You know, but see, you can go back and mock Doom and stuff too. But right. look at the revolutionary games they were. So yeah, people are, people need to know you their know, history. I, I was thinking about it. 50p, that was, because like, normal arcade games were 10p. Right. The 10 pence arcade podcast. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. five times the cost of Space Invaders. The first games like I remember, do you remember the first games you saw that were more than a quarter? Well, I'm a lot younger than you, so most well, games were more than a quarter when I was in yeah, the arcades. Yeah, you had to point that out, didn't you? When I was in the arcade, the games I remember that the the big the first fifty cent games I saw, or more, were, was Dragon's Legend. Right. Uh, but hard driving was amongst the first, mm. and it was, and of course, but again, you were it was something special. Right. And now later on, you get like your G Lock and your after the things where the big the whole thing mm-hmm. moved you know and, but i mean like when i was going to arcades that was when street fighter was big and the games were all 50 cents you know at least yeah then, what a rip off i hated yeah. that yeah yeah um good game though and chris also said that uh if have you ever played an arcade game called quack k-w-a-k quack uh, there's an amiga game called quack i played that well maybe that's what he's talking about have you played that before? i have I have. He said that if you like Do Run Run, then that's that's one that you. Should it's sort try. of a it's a sort of a pretty famous uh, game, I believe. Okay, we'll have to look into that one. Okay, okay, sounds good. It's the one I'm thinking of. I think was it. I think it was done by. Uh, oh boy, it was it was it was done by an outfit that we just did a review of a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to think of who it was. Hmm. Was it Team Seventeen or no? It was. Uh, Psygnosis? No, no, no. It may have been Team Seventeen. Domar? No, no. 
<laughs> just go on. Okay. Um, I'll look it up, everybody. Let's see. Uh, up next, we've got uh, some feedback from Laurent. And we did get a lot of feedback. Yeah, here. Laurent Giroux. Um, he, uh, he posted a comment on the YouTube video, the same thing, but he's got, he's got more to talk about hard driving. And he's, he's basically just talking about how, um, you know, the force feedback was just so strong. There was no way to counteract it when you, I mean. Well, when you, when you, like I said, having opened the thing up, it's got sprockets around it. It's got a sprocket around with a big chain wrapped around it. I mean, it's a, it can hurt you. It could easily hurt you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind this thing could rip your arm off. God <laughs> for scary. I pity the sucker that gets his hand caught in that oh wheel in some awkward because I mean you're done. Yeah, yeah. This thing is a big mechanical death machine. You look, it's it's of all the games I've looked at, it's the most intimidating thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I was just like, holy smokes, man! Look at the setup in this thing. Jeez. Yeah, and the force feedback was awesome, man. Really awesome. He said that uh, he it's his opinion that the Amiga was actually perfectly capable of an arcade perfect port, at least frame rate wise. And he points to the Sega Genesis version, which does have a much better frame rate. And he goes into a long explanation, which I can't comprehend fully because I'm not smart. But uh, on on the blog, if you check out his comment, he talks about all the different ways that the Amiga could have gotten it done. I think he's right. To be completely honest with you, I mean, and I'll cite examples in contemporary games that pulled it off. Uh, I, we'll go back to Stunt Car Racer, which is a similar game. Similar, you know, similarly, it's got the, the wireframe sort of thing going on, and it runs at a real good clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard driving wasn't the speediest game in the arcade, but it was realistic. I thought the Amiga port, at least on the 1200 when I played it, I thought it ran at a pretty decent pace, you know, with the arcade. I played the Genesis version too. And, uh, you know, I think the Amiga version is better, personally. But uh, uh, he's probably right. I mean, I can't remember when it got released for the Amiga, but it was it was an older game. I mean, maybe if they'd had more, if, you know, for an AGA version, mm-hmm. they could, probably could have done a better job. Yeah, yeah. And I remember liking race driving more, so maybe it was something we're not allowed to have a look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dreamcatcher wrote in with a little bit of clarification about our magazine discussion. Okay. So he said that the one, the magazine called The One, Yeah. In the beginning, it covered, it was multi-platform, so ST, PC, and Amiga, but then it was split three ways in 1991, because the 16-bit era was just such a massive thing. Right. And so you ended up with the one for Amiga, the one for PC, etc. And then in 1992, Ace Magazine closed down and merged with the one for Amiga. Okay. So the one for Amiga different than the one? Yeah. Yeah, or no, it was the same. It's the okay. same magazine, but it just split into the. Into, I got you. Yeah, and he said, in his second lease of life, the production values were extremely impressive. It was a glossy, stylish mag that was often that was often criticized for being a bit fluffy. Um, it was it was very much you know entertaining to read. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, and he loves the compilation show format. He was just one of the multiple people that uh, that congratulated you on. You know, your, well, yeah. It's not like I'm the first person to ever to come you up with that. You were the first person. Yeah, I'm on a, no other show. <laughs> there were no other compilation it. videos. You know, we, I will say we've got a lot of. You know what I like to hear, just for fun. I'm not saying hey, let's have a big thing. But if you got, if anybody's got, you know, like a game, a port they'd like to have a look at, I'm not saying we're gonna do it, but you might drop us a line. Maybe we can give it more consideration because there's a massive list of these things that we've got. I'm not saying we're gonna do every one. We do a good. There's plenty of good ones out there, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to do. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to revisiting the ports somewhere down the line. I, had, I actually had a lot of fun playing the ports, and and since I own the games that we played, and I own more, I've got plenty more we can do that I own and or currently own, and it'll be it's always fun to kind of compare them. Yeah, so we'll, <laughs> we'll definitely be back with that, and also the clone. The yeah, clone yeah, the show. clone ones, another one I want to do yeah. real bad. Yeah. 
Um, we got some feedback from a new listener. Well, I don't know if he's new, but this is the first time he's written in. New to us, right? Yeah, uh, Bernard Quinn. He says, great show, guys. Just on the matter of Amiga getting inferior ports of Atari arcade games. Um, in 1984, Atari was split into Atari Corp, as we know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, and so the consumer market um, dealt with that. And then the ST, you had the ST, then you had Atari Games. And so even though the ST and, or the, the games that were coming out on the ST were Atari, and Atari games, the arcade Atari, had, were both called Atari, they were two totally separate divisions that didn't talk to each other. So you, you'd think that the Atari ST would be getting all these awesome ports because it's Atari. You but would think that. that was not the case. Well, I remember, I know Atari coin-op division spun off from Atari's home division, right? I know mm-hmm. that. That was pretty famous. Um, I can't imagine Atari even split or whatever they were got had going on and i don't know how the licensing worked exactly but it's hard to um, hard to believe that you would l- let someone release games that were your games on a competing system and make them better than they were on your homes on your own personal system right well bernard talks about that he says i think in the early years of the 16-bit machines the st was ahead in terms of sales of the amiga so it may be that the games were simply ported straight to the ST and then converted to the. Well, there are. They, I think they were absolutely. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. everyone we looked at was converted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was I mean all the Atari ones that were? I think they were absolutely converted. Yeah. Were, I mean they all started life on the ST. Right, and he said he had his ST as his first computer, and the first game that he played was Buggy Boy, <laughs> which uh, <laughs> Black and I looked yeah. at. Yeah. And so he's not sure how the Amiga port of Buggy Boy was, but he can check it out because I think we cover it in, uh, have in you one ever, of our Amiga's plays. I know you're an Atari guy, and we may have talked about this in the past, but have you ever physically touched or used an ST? Never. Never even been in the physical presence of one. I've not I either. Remember. I remember a guy in our old uh, Amiga users group in Huntington, whatever it was, an informal group, pirating group, <laughs> scumbag pirate group. But I heard about this guy who had the Atari ST. He was talking about in low, hushed tones. Mm. This guy's got an Atari, you know. And I kept hearing about it, but I never actually saw the guy or saw the Atari. I always wanted to because I was I liked Atari, you know, back then. Uh, so well, I, see, I always hated the ST because in my mind, as a kid, this was the system that was replacing the system that I had. It yeah. was getting all the coverage and all the games and everything. I understand. I mean, you know. Uh, it it was not as successful, I no, don't think. No. As the of course the computer the venerable Atari computer line from the seventies. Yeah, I mean seventy nine to ninety two. It's a long run. I would love to talk to someone that had or has a Falcon, or yeah. one of the real the last bunch of computers. Because mm-hmm. you look at the ST. I mean, again, I don't want to anger any ST owners that are listening, but it just look at the, even the the operating system. It just looks so lame compared mm-hmm. to the Amiga. It's like. Not even it doesn't look even close to me. You know? yeah. Now, I know a lot of musicians love the ST, you know, and and for the built-in MIDI. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, there can't be too many people buying for that. Right. Not over here. I know over here, hardly anyone had one of these. Yeah, more, well, way I mean, more Amigas were sold if, than STs. If you were, I don't know about that. In America, I don't know about that. Have, who do you know that's ever had one? Well, I knew people I had Amigas. I think that there there was definitely a big like if you were involved in music in any way, you had an ST because of the MIDI ports. You know, the Amiga just didn't have that. Well, well, it did eventually. Right, but I mean, not out of the box. Right. And so I, I think there was that niche there. Now, of course, as a games machine, you know, if you surround yourself with gaming people, sure, the Amiga was a system. Well, my buddies were musicians, and the, actually, the guys that first showed me the Amiga back in the day. And they used the Amiga for their music stuff. But I, they may have had an ST, but I don't remember. I don't remember seeing it. Mm-hmm. 
It'd be interesting to. Yeah. I don't, I'd like to know the sales figures in the states. You know. Mm. Speaking of that, someone and I apologize for whoever it was, uh, but someone put up a question about asking if uh, uh, asking about using uh, Octomed or, uh, right. or one of the music players. Is that one Which on is your list? Something. No, I, I didn't put that in here because I forgot. Uh, I have had a cup of coffee with the Octomed or one of the earlier renditions. Are you familiar with these at all? No. They, these are the programs you would use to make the mod music files. So. You know, how, how does that actually work, though? <laughs> Do I look like, you know, I don't know. I'm not from Information Society. You've had a cup of coffee with it? I, well, I know what I did with okay. it. Okay. I took a song. Well, what you could do with it was like, a, I guess, a sequencer. Does that make sense? It's sort of like, a, I guess, where you could put the clips in a row. Okay. Right? Basically, from my understanding, and it is limited, so when I box this, someone can call in or write in and kill me. But... The uh, Octomed, for example, will allow eight, cha- eight channel music, okay? Which the Amiga normally you wouldn't be able to do that. And I don't know how they did it, but I know what you could do is you could put s- song samples in, and you could, you know, and you could make your music with them. You know, like you could sample notes, or you could take bigger samples. And I remember taking. Oh God! It was a. <laughs> I hate to say this because it's such a stupid. Song. I, mean, I remember this song from Ministry. If you ever heard of Ministry, it was called uh, uh, Stigmata. You ever heard of that song? Okay, it's. I don't know. I picked it because it was real repetitive, and so I would I would lay down a, a verse, and I would digitize it with my my digitized sound digitizer, and I would lay that in, and then you could make it go do callbacks to parts of the song that were repetitive, and it would just play them again. You know what I'm saying? And then you could add in, like, there's a the lyric part of a verse. You could just lay that in, and it okay. would go to that part. So, yeah, it's like a sequencer. Now, it did way more than that, but that's what I could use it for. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like these movie editing programs. I right. have a limited knowledge. Mm-hmm. Of it. Okay, okay. And, but, I mean, it was a big deal. And mm-hmm. and if you listen to any mod files, and I'm guessing that's what he was talking about, because uh, there were other stuff. Don't get me wrong. There were some straight-up music programs that you could, you know, hook a keyboard up to. Or I remember one I had that you could just put, you could just, Take your sheet music and just pop it in there, and mm-hmm. you know you go to work. You mm-hmm. would do it, but that's that was my knowledge of that. But yeah, so yeah, it, I, I'm no professional on on the Octomed or medleys or whatever, but I do love the mod files. And I've got a big old collection of mod of mod music. That's one of these days I'm going to give it to you, uh, and I love it's great stuff. Now, it differs from the Commodore 64 music, and all, you know that's your eight bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Sounds the like chip, chip the chip's yeah. doing it all. Whereas right. on the um, on the Amiga, that's one of the problems when you get in the 16-bit era. It starts sounding a little bit. It's the uncanny valley well, of music. It sounds like um, it sounds like real music right. because it, it's sampled from real stuff. Right. And Whereas it, the, I'm not saying the 8-bit stuff's not real, but it just as a well, it doesn't own, have it doesn't have its own sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. So I, that's the major difference. That's why you're always going to go back to that eight bit stuff because yeah. it's just got that unique sound. That the, now the Amiga could do it, mm-hmm. but it often, nobody wanted to do that because at that time it wasn't. The it new was thing. archaic right. at the time. Yeah, right. So I don't know if I answered anything, but there you go. So our last bit of feedback came from your illustrious brother. Oh, jeez. And he sub- he could type. And he submits that 1993 was the best year. For arcade oh, I forgot about this argument. I got to get back into that. Ninety-three. Ninety-three. That okay. will be a tough. So challenge. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the list for it's you. It's got to be the year Mortal Kombat Two came out. He Mortal won. Kombat Two. <laughs> That's his game. Samurai Showdown. That's a great game. Virtual Fighter. That's a good game. Daytona USA. 
Yeah, not bad. NBA Jam. That's pretty fun. Okay, then pinball. Pinball. This is this is hard to beat. The Adams Family, Whitewater, Star Trek: Next Generation, Indiana Jones: The Pinball Adventure. That's real good. He's got a valid point. No, I went back because I was curious what pinball machines were released in 1984. They were all pretty much not great, except for Space Shuttle. Space Shuttle was released. What else did it have? Did you write them down? A bunch of games I didn't recognize. I guess the Atarians wasn't in there. No. <laughs> you no. ever played that? No. <laughs> yeah. I have played my share of Atari pinball machines, and they were all terrible. Yeah. Did you ever play Hercules? No, I haven't been up it's got to a that place ball in Ohio. For, it's got yeah. a pool ball You know what? Your... I take it back. I did play a Hercules, and I played it down in Myrtle Beach. They have one. Yeah. yeah. Slow. Yeah, <laughs> all those Atari pinball machines. Atari's they, pinball division. Was they not look that great because, like, you feel like I can keep the ball alive forever. The, pin, the play field's so wide, but it's just boring as, as yeah. all get out. Atari, they're and to be fair, when it comes to pinball games, '93 was that. that was I mean, that sort of games. Were well, really I mean, Brent sort of as usual with Brent. He t- he's playing an angle here. Yeah, Adam's fan was the first DMD game that was a, a big, you know, and that was the kicked off the whole genre, and so everyone was making the hell out of them. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to look into 83, which I believe is what the year I argued was the best of all. And I'll next, I promise you, the next time we get together, I will defend my position. Okay. And possibly I'll defend it with pinball, too, if I have to. That sounds great. I'm I sure can't I can wait. find some. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and take a moment to thank all of our wonderful Patreon sponsors. Uh, we've got Graham W. Wobkey. The Wob. The Wob. The Wob. Yep. Uh, Rob O'Hara. The, the Rob. The Rob. <laughs> uh, Paul Harrington. Laurent Giroux. Jonas Rulo. Kjolborn Bjarman. I love it. Tapes from the crypt. Adam Bradley. Chris Folds. Will Williams. Daniel Bingston. O'Brien's Retro and Vintage. Chad Halstead. And Brent Dowdy. You know, you reminded me of something when you said tapes from the crypt. The guy that did the voice of the Crypt Keeper was at Scarefest. Really? Was yeah. the actual Crypt Keeper model with him? He was not. Oh, and this guy looked nothing like him. <laughs> it's good for him. Yeah, no kidding. Man. <laughs> uh, neck, oh, and if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can head on over to patreon.com slash amigos podcast. Uh, next week, we are going to have the Oliver Twins interview. So awesome. that, that gives us a week off, but we're going to need a week to prepare for the glorious, the much-anticipated, the highly recommended to us... Is it? The Amiga first-person shooter Spectacular. I Are you just making that part up? Or no. Do people actually recommend that we at do least, this? At least two people have so asked us for this. Two? <laughs> well, wow. Which is two more than the people that asked us for the arcade ports. Well, episodes. that's a valid point. <laughs> And that was a huge hit. So, how, so do, do we know what games we're going to do for so that or how many? Well, I'm just thinking about um, Alien Breed 3D. Gloom. Gloom. Uh, there's Indie Ret... No, not Indie Ret Reduce, sorry. Um, oh, what's his... Which, I, you probably had a big computer crash this week. So oh, did they? Good luck out there at uh, Indie Retro News getting your... I, I think I saw a message that they pulled it together. But this guy... Great site. I can't... And it's terrible because we've got... We're linking to him on our blog. But he did a... Um, he's got a, a blog... That um, and I want to say it's something something about it's ninja related, like the name of it. Oh, it's gonna kill me that I can't think of what it's called. Anyway, it's a great blog. You should check it out. <laughs> um, and you mean that blog, yeah. <laughs> the very same. He um he did a, a big article about first person shooters for the Amiga, so we can use that as kind of a basis to pick the games that we're gonna we're gonna do. 
Okay. And um, sounds good. And we'll do it the same way we did the arcade ports episode. So we'll talk about it and then we'll just play through them all. I have to say, uh, I I haven't played too many of the first person. You know, I've not games. played a one. So and so I mean I've looked at a couple. So this should be. Unless you count the Elvira game. That was kind of a first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think we count that. By the way, we got, you know, after we do the first-person shooter, so that'll be... Uh, the next week, we're going to do something Halloween-based. Yeah. And I've got a couple ideas, too. Okay. So we'll, okay. we'll knock that around later. Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, that's all for this week. Enjoy the Oliver Twins next week. Yeah. And we'll see you in two. Until then, adios. adios.